The following is a special presentation of the Buccaneers Sports Network. This is the Jay and Keith Show. Two broadcasters. Oh, yeah. Two microphones. And one meticulously scripted podcast. You what? Just kidding. Get it, J.K.? You get it. That's what I thought was so funny. It's not funny. Alongside Keith Brake, here's the voice of the Bucks, Jay Sandoz. Good Monday, Jay Sandoz, Keith Brake. We're talking all things ETSU women's and men's basketball. We have a little bit of seating scenarios, and after um, losing my mind, and I'm sure Keith did too, trying to figure out some of these, we realized that uh, I'm not going to do them for everybody in the league yet. I will do that on uh, Thursday for the men, and we'll have uh, maybe a short Friday seating special show for the women. Instead of maybe a Wednesday, Thursday, we may go Thursday, Friday, something like that, just to um, get a little more interest around the league. But uh, there are plenty of scenarios, like in the women, and we'll get into in just a second. They've got a possible six-way tie that's still in play. Uh, For the men, they still could have a possible three-way tie, which is pretty easy to break at the top, but they're still – Spoiler alert, we'll get into it, but ETSU could finish one of, what was that, five five different spots? Five through nine? Five, six, seven, eight, nine? Yeah, for five, the men, yeah. Five different spots. So anyways, all right, we'll get into that in just a second. But, um, hey, buddy. Hi. Did uh, did you know we turned 50 last show? Yes, actually, yeah. Yeah, they've not kicked us off air yet. In podcast years, that's like yeah a thousand years old. Yeah. Can we get syndicated yet? We're, we Is look, that a deal? Do we yeah. get syndication yet? Uh, not yet. I, I don't think we, we have 75? other, other than, other know. than the, uh, the fans nation YouTube channel with Matt Frazee and company. I don't think we have Matt Frazee. We gotta get, we gotta get on two margaritas with Matt. Matt, this is my call. My clarion call to you right now. One of us and you, both of us and you two margaritas on the pod from pod to pod podception. Let's do it. Let's make it happen. Uh, but well, you had me at margarita, so yeah, I know I did. And queso dip? Did you say queso dip? I should, did not say should, queso dip, but should. you could probably bring your own queso dip, and and if you can't source your own queso dip, store bought is fine. Uh, now, one thing I've learned, Jay, about these sorts of seating scenarios is that it's really not. It, it's it's almost not worth getting yourself twisted up into knots over trying to figure it out. If you can't figure it out, it's not like a Sudoku puzzle where the solution is completely driven by you. It's driven by other events. And sometimes you just got to sit back and wait before you find a spot where it makes sense to really jump in and, you know, roll up your sleeves and and start doing the math. Uh, This was not that spot for me because, like you said, I tried to hash out the tiebreakers after Wofford routed Chattanooga at the roundhouse because of course they did. They look like they're more interested in playing every team uh, in the SoCon except ETSU. Like they, they, they just, they don't seem like they're all that interested in playing the Bucks, And I don't know why I don't get it, but ETSU has beaten them by double digits twice now by so what? 17, 18 at their place. And by 38 here held them to a season low and jumped into second. Now they're in a tie for first because Wofford turned around and beat Chattanooga because, of course, they did. It's That's the SoCon in a nutshell. Um, so, yeah, I am waiting until Thursday night when these games are all over 
uh, that that then I'm going to be really diving into the seating scenarios and being invested in the seating scenarios. But there are still so many variables that if you want to do it, you go for it. But uh, oh, I did. You already done it on the on the men's side. But I just did ETSU, and a lot of people I know uh, want to hear scenarios. And because we, you know, it sounds simple on a nutshell because you got two games left, right? What are you? One and one. What are you two and zero? Oh? What are you zero oh and two? But also, you're one and one if you switch which teams you beat, and that changed a whole lot of yes, different. And because then, of the way tiebreakers work. Then yeah. uh, we had to play the game of okay, do you feel like VMI is going to upset anybody in the next two games? I was like, no. But if they did, then obviously everything I did is out the window. So um, there are a few scenarios. Obviously, we didn't go, and then there were a couple games uh, that have certain things happened that didn't come into play, so I didn't have to factor in if they won loss. So. Uh, yes, I did some. It's not going to matter because after Wednesday night, Thursday, when we look at this again. You're going to have to reshuffle. Yeah, but or I could have it all correct. I mean, there are some scenarios that I have a lot on this two-page list here that will probably happen. So that will absolutely – yes, it's a two-page list. Don't you laugh at me. It's what I. This is why the Atlantic Sun at some point in time and all the baseball, softball, where there's multi-multi games played, and would be like, uh, okay, uh, how does this break down? And then, of course, there would be rainouts and games that weren't played. So they used to run a lot of the scenarios by me and Kevin Brown because we are the two people that spent two hours driving back from Greenville, South Carolina. Instead of fixating on the basketball game that we just watched, we fixated on what is ETSU potential seating scenarios. So. That's what we did. But we're going to talk women first because I think we have to lead with the school record. I mean, I think you look at Wofford, mm-hmm. you mentioned it, they came in, and it was a game where I thought the fans were incredible. I thought there were plenty of men's season ticket holders that hadn't been to a women's game, but there was a call to action. And, and you know, let's let's give credit credits to ETSU Hoops Nations kind of led the, the drive for, hey, let's support the ladies if you've not been in there. And there were several people that text me. It's like, hey, is this what it's been like all year? And I was like, you know, maybe not at the beginning, but as the season's progressed, yes, this is how Absolutely. those games have felt, uh, the energy. There's just been a few, you know, a matriculation of maybe 30, 40 more people at almost every win. It seems like they're trickling in a little more and more and almost got to 1,000. We'll get to senior day in a second. I don't want to jump too far ahead, but there were several Thursday that had not been to a women's game in a while. And mm-hmm. they were thoroughly impressed with the atmosphere. They had not seen some of the upgrades to Brooks, even though you see it on the video, right? You watch ESPN 3, it's not the same. There's certain right. things you can't see uh, that is done. And then, of course, the video board and a bunch of other stuff on the, you know, uh, kind of everything surrounding the game. But then the game itself, the atmosphere, watching ladies play, the sharing, especially that game, sharing the basketball. And what can you say? They just went bonkers from three, set a school record, 16 made threes. It seemed like everybody got kind of in on the action. And the best part was people early on kind of felt like, hey, we got a shot to break a record. So then people were yelling at me because at the end of the third quarter, I gave uh, – really at halftime I started to look it up. But I started at the end of the third quarter to send it out to fans that were asking, that were in the building, that just had my phone number or would DM me. And then they went – probably the first three threes of the fourth quarter missed. So then they're hammering me for jinxing. I was like, <laughs> you asked me, I sent it, and now you're yelling at me, which I did jinx the men. I'm going to talk about that too as well. But uh, I was like, I don't think this is on me. And then how fitting is it that you get, uh, you know, sort of the 
and no offense to Paris, but she's the last one off the bench, right? I mean, that that's yes, the true freshman from Ireland is the last player off the bench. Yes, and yeah. she no. had two clean looks and knocked them down, and the whole bench. I love that the whole bench just flooded out onto the floor to meet Paris at the end of that. That was really cool. And uh, she's now the answer to a trivia question. And that's what I was going to say. The best part about some of those things is, okay, she's worked all year, you know, to make transition into the Division One game. She's playing a position where there's just a lot of guards that are playing at a high level, so it's yep. hard to get on the floor. She's clearly worked her tail off to get where she's at. And you get a game where you're like, hey, you get a chance to go in. Not only you get a chance to go in and hit the game uh, or the school tying record, three fifteenth but then you hit the school record breaking 16th three as well and then you can look back at this at some point and go look at all the magical moments that they've had the first part of the year where Giselle Thomas just took the whole team on her back and went road games to start the year and you're going holy cow like how did you know she fell to ETSU and how was Temple only getting six points out of her a game like like what what was going on there uh because clearly she was able um to do it at Florida International so you're looking at her kind of carrying the team. Then Neve Brown kind of comes onto the scene, right? Then all of a sudden, you know, Rufus Milner's making noise for defense and rebounding. Kendall Foley, the last month, five weeks, who's played better basketball than her? It's a little bit of everybody. You know, Ja'Kai Davis has shined. Sarah Thompson had a career high in that game. So you can go down the list, you know, of things that have happened, but – you can look at almost every single person and go down there and probably without thinking too hard, hey, what about this game or what about that game or that moment or what did she do there? And it's truly been one of this kind of team kind of years where it's not really been, and yes, there are a, a player too that's that has carried the team more than others, but I think everyone has shined on this team mm-hmm. to get them to where they are a 21-win team. Uh, I can also add – because I've just looked this up to verify it because it, it crossed my mind this morning. 21 wins is the most ever by ETSU women's basketball in the regular season. All of the other teams, and there are, I believe, four other teams are tied for second most wins in school history. There are four other teams that have won 21 or more games, and all of them won their 21st game in the postseason, in the, either in the conference tournament or or the WNIT, or another postseason tournament. So the Bucks, this group of Bucks, just keeps making a little bit more history every time. Um, and this is, I think, by the end of the week, when we come back here in a week, we're going to be talking about the team that has tied the school record for wins, period, in a season because they should be good to go against UNCG. They should be good to go against Western Carolina. Take care of their business. We're talking about them, hopefully, as the one or two seed in the SOCON tournament. And already having tied that great 2010 team, Toronto Wiles off balance with the runner off the glass, uh, to win more games than any other team at ETSU ever. Um, so it's been a, an incredible group. And you're right, it's a complete team effort. Uh, nobody has left anybody behind. Everybody is picking up the slack. And I think it's really interesting that, you know, Jayla Rufus-Milner, she goes down for the year with the knee. Sometimes a player might check out, might become distant because, hey, you know, I'm not on the floor. Players might respect you a little, or might, might treat you a little bit differently because, or listen to you differently, not treat you differently, but listen to you differently because, well, you're not out there with us right now. 
Uh, you know, I think several programs in ETSU have run into that over the last few years is you have a leader, that leader gets hurt, that leader doesn't get the same, uh, doesn't have the same level of um, ability to command a room because they're not out there. And it's been the total opposite with JJ. She's stayed very engaged. Uh, she is still, she gives the halftime speeches. She told me the other night after the Wofford game, she said, I just tell them what they need to hear. And uh, that that whole team environment is really incredible to be around. This is the most I have had fun with college basketball, or most fun I've had with college basketball probably since I was covering UConn. And uh, Brianna Stewart, of course, and Mariah Jefferson and those teams and the 15-16 team that ran the table, the 14-15 team the year before that that lost one game, I think it was, to Stanford and then went on to win the national championship. The uh, the team before the year before that that pasted Notre Dame and Nashville the same year the men won the national championship as well. Those were really fun. This is the most fun I've had with hoops in uh in in over half a decade and uh certainly being around this team has just made this a really fun experience i'll also say it's probably the first time jay that i haven't that i have looked at the end of a basketball season and instead of thinking okay what am i going to do with the, the end of the season in the off season this is the first time i've looked at it and thought oh god i don't want this season to end I hope we keep going. I hope we keep playing. I I want to. I want more games. That you know, this group is just too much fun to let go of. And I I've never thought that about a basketball team before. Even the teams that won championships when I was at ETSU. This team is just too fun to see the end of. And uh, I hope it, it's a long time, several weeks, several more weeks before we see the end of it. Yeah, it's one of those out-of-nowhere type deals, too. So, I think the first year – I can't remember if it was the first year. I'm trying to look it up real quick. The first year – that was uh, the second year Coach Ezell got to the championship game. Yeah. And that was a, one of those kind of like, oof. I got to 21 – coming off a of 9-21. and 21, Then they turn it, turn it around at 21-12. and 12. The only thing that was kind of similar, at least in my time here at ETSU – was when Coach Kemp got them to the uh, championship game in 05-06, which really started the upward swing. Yeah. And then they got to two championship games and lost in two championship games. Then they won three championship games, and they lost championship games. So six straight, they were there. But there was a little bit of build of momentum to get to there. This, the expectations were not there. There were – I mean, at least year two for Coach Zeller wasn't either because she took over a team that, that won single digits and then she won single digits and then boom, they go. So for me, this is a different type ride because it was a, a build to Coach Kemp and actually they were the eight seed the last year of the Southern Conference. I'll never forget this because it was the only women's game I did and I had to fill in for Hellman, uh, Don Hellman. And ETSU was the eight and upset Chattanooga the one. They played so early in the day in Don's day job, he, he couldn't get down there. So it was the one game I called, and, of course, I called the 8-1 upset, and then they played Georgia Southern the next game and then losing overtime in that one. And I think that kind of propelled – like you could see, like, okay, they're starting to kind of turn the corner. They go in the Atlantic Sun and then start to elevate up, which 
women's basketball league, much tougher league, um, and still is right now, compared to where the Southern Conference uh, is and was. The difference was Chattanooga was so dominant for all those times, and then Florida Gulf Coast finally got to be on par, I think, with Chattanooga. But this ride has been unbelievable to see what all, uh, you know, a Courtney Moore, Ja'Kiah Davis, and for three years, their three-year whirlwind college experience has been tough. Mm-hmm. I, I don't know how to word that any any better. Uh, They're on their third coach in three years. It's been different, you know, strange, weird, come up with what it, – it's probably not when they envid- envisioned college basketball – what they thought was going to be. And to see them go through, you know, kind of the trial and tribulations of, of losing a coach, getting another one, losing that. You got a new coach you have no, no idea that you didn't sign up for for the second time in two years, consecutive years, to mm-hmm. be at least the staff. And there is some, some you know, something there, continuity that we probably need to get into at some point, the fact that Coach Mock kept a staff and players with not really she knew one or two right she said she right. recruited Ja'Kai Davis said she recruited Navey Brown there were a couple more on the roster that she at least knew of or talked mm-hmm. about or they had had correspondence so there is something there but to be able to piece that all together in a short period of time and have this magical run that Buck fans have slowly been getting on the carpet ride with her right is unbelievable what they've been able to accomplish no matter where the season goes right now. Now, I think they've got more wins in them, but mm-hmm. if they didn't, you ought to just enjoy the ride for what it is and what they've been able to do and to see the fact that on senior day, um, you know, you had one person walk, you know, and get celebrated and knowing that a majority of those players are coming back with even more players yeah. coming in. So the, the special – hopefully this is a beginning – of a special run, but the, I want to live in the here and the now, kind of like you. I don't want to look forward down the road of man. Can you imagine the next couple of seasons? No, I don't want to imagine the next couple of seasons. I want to live right They're gonna now. They're going to be awesome, but, yeah, I want to live, live with this group right now. And um, I'll, add, I'll add a little more history. So this is – the NCAA um, has an all-time most improved teams from year to year list. Uh, East Tennessee State at a 15-game improvement. Right now, they went from uh, was it six and twenty-two to twenty-one and seven. Uh, that's a fifteen-game improvement because you add up the like the difference in the wins and the difference in the losses, and you add those two numbers together and you divide by two, so it's fifteen. Um, that is the biggest improvement single season since twenty sixteen in all of Division One basketball. The biggest single season improvement in seven years. And do you know what team that was? UNCA. Correct. Do you know who their coach was? I do. Is the head coach of your ETSU Buccaneers, Brandon Brown. Mock was the head coach of that team, too. So she has done this before. She has a knack for it. And the fact that everyone bought in basically immediately is just a great indicator for the long-term trajectory of this team. Um, and and I think is is something that if, if you do want to look at next year, if you do want to look at years down the road, you look at the enthusiasm that this group has playing together, playing for each other. Uh, that comes from, it all stems from Mock. Uh, it all stems from 
her leadership, uh, her authenticity with the players. They all talk about it, or certainly Giselle and I, we had about a 30-minute conversation, part of which was on the pregame show on Saturday for Senior Day. She and I talked about it, and she said, you know, I, I don't know that we do this without Mock at the head of it all. Um, you know, she has been the 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 beacon, I guess you could say, for lack of a better term. That's my term, not hers. She's kind of the beacon for this team, guiding them to this result. And, you know, how this team came together, how this team stuck together in adverse situations before Mock got here, and even as the process of hiring Brenda Mock Brown was ongoing uh, is a testament to their resilience. I think they certain. I think the players certainly had something to do with it, but it's clear that Mock got everybody on the same page and has already, in a very short amount of time, built a really strong, positive culture that is going to outlast this 2022-23 iteration of the box. I can't wait. And they're going to get a couple more games. Unfortunately, they're road games, and then we'll see them in Asheville on Thursdays. They're going to be on the road UNCG and Western Carolina. They'll start at UNCG and then go to Western Carolina. And the standings, I'm going to talk about that real quick. So Again, we'll go over this Friday. But ETSU Wofford, Chattanooga, each at 8-4. and four. Sanford and Mercer at 7-5. and five. UNCG still potentially – could go two and zero, right? It's not out of the realm that they beat ETSU and Chattanooga at home. They get to eight and six. Western gets hot, knocks off both those teams. You can get in a six-way tie here. There's a scenario where ETSU, Wofford, Chattanooga, Sanford, Mercer, and UNCG would all be at eight and six. Yep, that would be hard to digest, but it would almost be the most perfect Southern Conference thing because nothing has made sense. Now, as a Buck fan, we don't want that. Six co-champions, though. Does that mean six teams put up a banner? Yes, and they get rings. And what's even funnier is if Furman got hot and won the whole daggone thing, you would have seven. And I know that because in the Atlantic Sun Conference, right, the famous ETSU was the fifth seed. They end up winning it. There were five championship rings. When they would give the media guide cover, we all laughed because everyone had their Southern Conference championship (laughs) rings on their media guides. Five of them. Four regular season (laughs) co-champions. And, of course, your tournament champion ETSU Bucks. So, five of them. That's amazing. That's amazing. I, you know, I don't want ETSU to lose these two games, but also I do kind of, if they, if something happened, if the worst happened, I would want it to be a six-way tie. I would want it to be a six-way tie. We love chaos. We're not going to lie. If the Bucks can't win, I want chaos. Now, I think if you're handicapping things, Wofford's got to play Sanford Mercer, so... Looking at um, other teams' uh, records, if you want to put, you know, strength of schedule type deal, right? Strength of schedule. Clearly, Wofford has the toughest road. Even though they're at home, they'll play Sanford mm-hmm. and Mercer. And then ETSU and Chattanooga have the same strength of schedule um, because they're going to play, at least going into this weekend, because they're going to play UNCG, West Carolina. They'll play the same opponents. And so um, play them a little different time with ETSU going to UNCG first. And then Chattanooga, so depending on how that goes. But right now, you would think Wofford has a little bit of a tougher situation to go to. But again, UNCG six and uh, six and six. They've got a couple wins under their belt. They can hang their hat on too, and not an easy out. And they get to play them, uh, you know, in Fleming Gym on the campus of UNCG. So it'll be entertaining. Clearly, if you're a Buck fan, let me just give you the simple scenario. Cause that's, that's probably what you want to hear. What, what am I pulling for, Jay? Well, you, you've rambled a lot over this and pulled for a weird six-way tie. What are you pulling for? Basically, obviously, ETSU to win two games, and then if Chattanooga would lose one, 
doesn't matter what Wofford does at that point, ETSU would have the tiebreaker. Mm-hmm. If Wofford right. lost one or two or whatever to Sanford Mercer and ETSU and Chattanooga won out, that's easy. Chattanooga swept ETSU. They're the one seed. Mm-hmm. You want to get more in-depth than that, there's a lot of wins and losses I can go through and do, but we're going to be here a while. We'll just do it Friday. But those are the simplest scenarios for you there. And, again, it could be a scenario where Sanford or Mercer swept out ETSU and Chattanooga both got swept, and one of the four or five teams could jump up and actually yep. be the one by themselves as just the standalone champion. So yep. a lot to, lot to go over. Yes, um, you know, again, I'll give you the simplest ETSU scenarios like I'll do with the men, although the men are a little more complicated. But for the women, it's fairly easy. If they win two or if they finish tied with Wofford, let me just do it that way. If they finish tied with Wofford, they win a tiebreaker, finish tied with Chattanooga, then they lose the tiebreaker. If they get in a three-way tie, did you do that math? Then they would be two and two. And then Wofford, did they sweep Chat? Uh, Wofford swept Chattanooga, I believe. I'll double-check that right now. But I, I believe I, they I, did. So they would be two and two, and then Chat swept ETSU. They would be two and two. Yes. So, so yeah, if, I mean, if, Chad, if ETSU is two and two against them, then they're all two yeah, two. I, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes, uh, Wofford swept Chattanooga. <laughs> so, uh Yep, ETSU apparently like playing Wofford, and Chattanooga like playing ETSU, and Wofford like playing Chattanooga. So then you have to go to the 4-5 and all that good fun stuff, which there was a sweep there. But, again, that changes. I don't need to go into all that right this second. Uh, but Mercer – was it Mercer swept Sanford? It did, right? Mercer swept Sanford, so Mercer would be the four. So who had a better record against Mercer? A lot of math. Mercer did sweep Sanford. Yeah, a lot of math. Okay, all right. I, I am, we'll do that later. I'm nervous about Sanford. If, if if you're looking for anything that depends on Sanford winning games, I would not take anything to do with Sanford winning basketball games. This team, uh, just they got Andrea Bailey back. She scored 22, and they, they didn't crack 60 against Mercer. Game before, Bailey didn't play. They scored 55 against Chattanooga. Game before that, 63 against ETSU. Uh, I, I just, this, this group... Just seems like they've run out of gas. Bailey's fighting through a knee injury. I, man, I would have a really hard time trusting Samford to win something if that's what shapes your destiny. So, uh, Mercer, I, I don't really know. Uh, I think they could be okay. Um, you know, you look at their numbers from, from Saturday and, I mean, it's Neil Tyser and Gonzalez and helped is out there too. Helped uh, shot 10 free throws on Saturday. So uh, I guess, I don't know. I guess the, the whistles were there, but um, you know, that team doesn't necessarily have a ton of depth. No, some of Evans now. Um, no. So it's Doherty and Reeves really having to hold down the fort in the paint and they're not exactly scoring machines and they're not super effective rebounders. So, how do you find a way to win a game against Wofford? I, I just, I don't know if my season came down to Sanford or Mercer having to win one game, then I would be very anxious about the future or the outcome of my season if that's what it depended on. But really, ETSU just needs to keep winning and they need Chattanooga to lose a game. And if Chattanooga is going to lose, it's probably going to be on Saturday against UNCG in the last game of the regular season. So this is going to quite well and truly, Jay, come down to the wire 
for the Southern Conference regular season title. We'll have Thursday's broadcast for you coming up on the Buccaneer Sports Network. And again, we'll Friday we'll break down all the women's scenario like we will on Thursday, breaking down all the men's scenario. You know what I'll talk about now? Do you know? Do you know? Do you know? Uh, barbecue in the Piedmont Triad. The Furman Paladins. Or that. You know what I'm not going to do? I'm not going to do the silly preamble that lets the beat drop and then go about our business because we're middle-aged white dudes. I don't know. That sounds fair. All right. Uh, no, I'm not going to do that. I'm not going to do like the preamble in rhythm. I like the preamble. I like the, I like the ramble. You just like the, the ramble. Amble. You just I, like the amble. I do like the amble of the pre. The before the amble, before the amble is the preamble. The pre preamble is that a thing? The the we had the pre pre and the post post at North Dakota State is what they called our shoulder programming, part of our twelve hour football broadcast day. Mm. How many hours were you responsible for? Uh, four. I hosted four, and was on call for ten. No, nine. So I was available to do things for nine hours of that 12. It's a long Saturday. So did they ever say uh, you can go inside? Uh, or did they, did they make you sit outside the whole time? Or sit in the studio all the time? Like if it was a road game, did you sit in the studio the whole time? I, I sat in the – well, we had a, like a little room down the hall where we'd go watch the game on TV, assuming it was on TV, which most of them were. But uh, then there was the – there's, you know, the one game that's on like Flow Sports. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, Flow. We had to pay for Flow Sports to watch a game where a school had one camera. What a racket. I mean, she's making all the money from Progressive. Now she's making money for this. It's unbelievable. It's unbelievable. Yeah, I don't I don't know what her secret is, but uh good hair, I think. Good hair. All right. Is it maybe it's the headbands. I think it's the headbands. I do like the headband. Um ETSU lost Furman. Uh and I'm gonna just throw this out there. Uh ten miss layups again. I don't. I don't know. I don't know what it is. Um, some contested, right? Some weren't, and it just, just, they just don't somehow make enough plays. But here's where I lost the game for the Bucks. Driving down, and I'm, you know, I, I ride on the way down and, and do some driving on the way back normally, so Kevin can can work or do whatever. Uh, finishes story, stats, photos, all the stuff you do as an SID, whatever. And on the way down. Because we're going to stop and eat with Dr. Stone, our good buddy Brad Stone, who's the Furman oh, Paladin yeah, fan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yep, yep, he's a big fan of the, the Furman Paladin. And uh, big shout-out to him for the, the Chichora Alley there in Traveler's Rest. If you want to go there, spectacular food. Uh, Dr. Stone uh, picked up the check, didn't have to do that, so we appreciate that as well. Wow, that's mighty decent Oh, an adult beverage whenever we get to the Southern Conference Tournament. Golf and, clap for uh, Dr. Stone. Yeah. Yep, yep. Uh, we talked a lot of Army football, believe it or not. His son went to the uh, academy, so we, we talked a lot about that. But uh, it was good. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I'm all for meet and greets. If uh, other fans of teams, podcasts of ours, if you we are coming to your town and you want to meet up, you don't have to buy. Let me just throw that out there. I appreciate him doing that, but we'll, we'll meet you. We'll talk a little Southern Conference sports. We'll talk other things. And uh, didn't know that Dr. St- uh, Stone 
Brad, as I like to call him, now that we're on first name basis, yeah, uh, actually comes up to the Tri City sometimes, anesthesiologist, and comes up this way to Kingsport. Actually, come kind of has come to a few ETSU games. Well, there you go. But we broke down uh, on the way to ETSU Furman, and I don't know why this stuck out, but as I was reading mind-numbing game notes and just you know engulfing whatever I could to try to retain for the broadcast, this stuck with me. ETSU, when they get to 80 or more, 4-0. Furman, 2-4 when giving up 80. So I'm thinking, well, four of their seven losses, they've given up 80. Clearly, ETSU, if they can get to 80, it's been a magic number, and it's been hard to ETSU get to 80. So if they get to 80, feeling good about it. So as we got to the under four timeout, I think it was 334 to be exact, I double-checked my notes that I'd made with the game notes to make sure I didn't misspeak. I give that stat, and ETSU promptly hits one free throw, Jeez. 0 for 4 from the floor, four turnovers in the game of 79 points. So I'm going to eat that as the broadcaster's jinx. Of if I don't bring it up, they score 80, they win the game. Your thoughts? Yeah, I think you summed it up pretty nicely. Uh, just That's my fault? Well, I was going to say, I mean, yeah. yeah okay. I was but, sure. but also just, you know, even though they shoot 55%, you get so many opportunities at the rim that you don't capitalize on. As when you miss 10 layups in a game, you're probably not going to win that game. You know, and I, I don't think ETSU has won a game this year where they missed even like seven or more layups. So... That, that's what it comes down to is, you know, we can talk about should a timeout have been called here? Should this play have gone here? Like, what is this, 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 this? But if, you know, the most basic play in basketball is the layup. And it does not matter what else you do if you can't execute the most basic play in basketball when you need to. And... I would imagine most of the made layups belong to Haynes. I don't know if they all did, um, but I would imagine most of them did. And missing 10 in a game when you are trying to, especially when you're trying to beat one of the best teams in your conference that is kind of all over the place right now and is in a position where you could very much get yourself a very nice road win that sets you up to potentially be the five and be safe on Friday or on up Saturday of the SoCon tournament, you got to be able to execute those little things. Those things are what add up to make the difference between winning and losing. That's really all it is. ETSU was 16 of 22 going to that media timeout, 73% from the floor. Yep. There you go. 0 for 4. Some turnovers. One made free throw. And the made free throw was by Jaden Seymour, who had to shoot him because Jalen Haynes had a cramp. And so they got to pick the free throw shooter to go. Now, Jalen did just miss two free throws prior to that, or was it two right after that? Where they, that was after that, where he missed very badly. One of them didn't even hit the rim. on the, I, I think it threw the referees off because that's a violation. They didn't blow the whistle. Now, ETSU had nobody 
underneath the goal to rebound to try to not give up a cheap foul at that point. But 0 for 4, a couple missed layups, a couple missed jumpers, and uh, one free throw. And it's just, just, again, a game of West Carolina didn't call a timeout, had a shot to try to win it, didn't hit it. Call a couple timeouts. The last two possessions, not a, not great. Um, it was a two-man game between King and Haynes, and it looked like a game of hot potato. I didn't know who really wanted to take the shot, and then Haynes ends up taking an 18-footer. And then the last possession, I think Tipler had two options. One, to do the throwback to King, who was – I'm guessing getting screened behind him. So basically you drive and then replace, turn around, throw behind you. Or make the pass he did. And looking at the replay, it looked like Justice Smith went to screen for Harrison. And I don't know if he's supposed to fake the screen and roll back or if Harrison was supposed to go there. But clearly Tipler thought one of the two that was standing in the same area was going to come back down towards the baseline and did not. And it was one of those where I've watched it a few times where it looks like Tipler throws the ball, rises the screen's being set, almost like a quarterback throwing the ball when somebody's supposed to break the route off, right? So he's anticipating, hey, here's the play. Somebody's going to do this. And so I know Tipler got some heat online for what is he doing, but I've watched that a few times. That looks like, to me, if somebody's going to set a screen, something's supposed to happen, action back down, towards the baseline and nobody went there so I, I don't that's one of the I don't I don't have that on Tipler I know to go on the stat sheet is his turnover but he either had a chance to maybe find King behind him throw the ball I, he had missed a couple of layups now granted he's a smaller guy 5'10 and I think um, uh, I don't remember who's guarding him maybe Foster was guarding him at that time who's about 6'3 so you know maybe Tip not feeling good about the layup but uh, the last couple possessions you know, was a was an opportunity, I, th- I think, missed. And ETSU did all that to come back because Furman did a great job of kind of stiff-arming the Bucks. They'd get it to two or three, it'd get back up to six, seven, or eight. Then they'd get it to mm-hmm. two or three, it'd get back up to six. And they'd get it to four and then six and two. And you can know where I'm going with this. They finally hit a three to take the lead with Jaden Seymour's only three of the game. And then about ten seconds later, a three in the corner ties it up at 78. And then we go to the final media timeout with the basketball and it just started to go south uh, from there coming out of the media timeout. Lost hey. ball turnover, Jalen Haynes. That's right. Yeah. That's what started. Uh, trying to, and, again, he played tremendous. I thought Jordan King played tremendous. I thought, again, the knock on some of the team, um, you know, they play without Alan Struthers again. Uh, or not against. First time he's missed one. But he had a concussion in practice. May not go Wednesday. It just seems like, and I'm not – making any excuse you play with who you got but it just seems like every time they start to get some pieces back it just something happens it's just one of those one of those years that all being said you can point the last several games that like the whole season like at some point you think one of these shots is going to fall and going to win a game i mean at some point the law of averages is like you know what we're going to be one in ten in these games because right now they're zero in ten and four points or less you would think at some point Somebody's going to hit one. And then I posed this question, and I'll pose it to you, Keith, to the group in the car and the ride back. So we had our G.A. Matthew in the car. We got Kevin. We got Bruce Trambarger. And I said, if the Pember shot for UNCA doesn't go in, would that lead to more victories? Not all of them. 
I don't think ETSU turns around and wins every one of these close games. But does winning that one give just enough confidence to where maybe they get four or five of these and they still drop four or five of those? Do you think that one game did damage? Because that's the one I go back to and I go out of all the losses. That's the one where a guy had to hit one from the logo with 1.4 because he was the fourth option. And he hit it. And it was a spectacular shot and a, and a great win for UNCA and Pember probably one of those shots you'll never forget, right? But my question is, because he's a Knoxville kid, do you think if that one shot or ETSU got a rebound and didn't get to that shot, vice versa, ETSU wins that one game, would that change a little bit of trajectory? That's my question. Maybe. I mean, it's tough to know. It could have. Um, I do know that uh, for courtesy of – uh, our our director of marketing likes to uh, marketing and fan engagement uh, likes to go to uh, other teams games when we're on the road and scout their home environments to see like is there is anybody doing anything that's unique or different stuff that we could bring to Johnson City for our fan experience and he went to a UNC Asheville game one night at US Cellular and he sent me a text I uh, said uh, your call of Pember's buzzer beater is the last and longest clip in their intro video. So I don't know if that changes the course of the season. Um, I think it means we need to fire you, but go ahead. But certainly it would change uh, the the course of my shame. Now, I, I, I thought it was an okay call, but uh, I was just like, man, I didn't think I would end up in somebody else's hype video. Oh, I'll do you one better. I ended up in the weight room the entire offseason for Sanford when ETSU – beat the Bulldogs in 2015 on the last second field goal to J.J. German. <laughs> or 2016, I guess the 2016 field goal. They played it the entire offseason. You know, J.J. German and the Bucks have shocked the Bulldogs, blah, blah, blah. It, yep. it was on repeat. So when they went up 35 nothing in the first quarter, uh, the next year down in uh, Birmingham, a lot of people came to my booth to thank me for all the extra – you know, um, uh, workouts and the players had to listen to it nauseum of my call <laughs> that they had waited an entire year. And I've never thought about that in my entire life. That's the first time I ever thought about because that was on the old SoCon Digital, so we just took the radio call over the video. Again, yeah. I'm just calling it, you know, just for radio. And it's the first time I think in my career that I was actually bulletin board material, but it wasn't just for one game. It was the entire offseason because they did not – uh, they ended up making the playoffs. My call was they didn't make, they were weren't going to make the playoffs, which was shocking because they got three teams in that year. Yeah. But they that was a call, and uh, Coach Hatcher was like, you know what, it was a pretty good call. We're going to go ahead and let the boys hear that right there. And then uh, they certainly were ready uh, for ETSU the next year. Uh, I've not had that, so that that's a new one on me. I've also. Uh, not had my call run on somebody else's video board. So I feel good about that for you. Like you, I've got one on, on there that, that was a negative. Yeah. You got one that was a positive. I guess you'd, I would feel better if mine was a – well, I don't know if I would feel better. Oh. I guess if I was doing the ESPN 3 call, I'd feel better. But, yes, that, that – uh, yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. So look at you. <laughs> look at you getting a little love over at UNCA. Yeah. No, I mean, it was a great shot. He nailed it. Um, if it doesn't go in, I don't know how much of a difference it makes. I just – does it does it change – your execution because it changed execution late in games because it changes your experience late in games where you've won games before. I don't know. Maybe it, if, if guys get more bought in guys that are just kind of, 
that maybe at some point we're on the fence, are a little bit more committed from the outset. I think everybody's pretty well committed now that we're at the end of the season. It's like, hey, guys, you got two games. You're guaranteed three more games. You're guaranteed Wednesday. You're guaranteed Saturday. And you're guaranteed a TBD Friday or Saturday in Asheville. And after that, you don't have anything else guaranteed to you. And I think that probably has gotten uh, a, a few guys to um, get back on board that maybe we're thinking about, is this for me? Is this the spot? Is this the group? Are these the guys that, um, you know, you're going to see this team compete. You're going to see this team fight. Uh, but you still got to, you know, all that competing and all that fighting and all that spirit, that's all great. But at some point, you just got to execute. You got to execute what's called. You got to execute what's there at the end of a basketball game. And that's another time where ETSU just didn't get it done in a late game situation. I think um, I think I misspoke. I think I said they're zero and ten, and for, they've lost ten games, four points or less. They're not zero and ten. They've won a couple. Yeah, because they beat Wofford at the buzzer, by right? The defensive right. Stand. And, and they beat VMI by four. So I, 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 I think I said zero and ten. That is incorrect. They have lost ten games, four points or less, and they're clearly not not great in those games. If we want to go back and count, that's at least two wins off the top of my head, and I think that's the only. Yes, that's the only. So they're. Two and ten officially, if you want to break it down that way. But they have ten losses with the uh, ten or four points or less. So, all right. Uh, also, I felt like tremendous job by ETSU on Bothwell and Slauson. They had two points in the first half combined, but you're down two. So that was one of those weird things where it's like, man, like doing a tremendous job. And Bothwell and Senior Day only had single digits. Now. There's a part of me that wondered, like, hey, when Bothwell and Slauson go away, like, what is that really going to look like for Furman? And I think they're going to be fine because you look at Pegues will be back. He's got he had 13. Foster will be back. He had 15. Uh, Heen had 13. Williams had 10. Huey played good. Five. Vanderwall seven. Carter Witt had a lot of assists, but didn't particularly shoot the ball well. But, I mean, they're losing three, and, and uh, Rhett Lister got the old, hey, get in there for 40 seconds. We'll try to get you a shot. If you don't shoot it, commit a foul, get out of the game. So, <laughs> thank you for playing on senior day, uh, Rhett Lister. And uh, he actually played 53 seconds, I think, and turned it over. Uh, baseline drive didn't get a shot off, but they tried to get him a shot. So, I, I applaud Bob Ritchie for the effort there uh, and at least trying to do that. But, yeah, I mean, Furman's got some some pieces – Back now, I think Slauson and Bothwell make up for a lot of things, and we'll see if everybody else can kind of, um, you know, step into that role, uh, you know, or, or follow suit or whatever it is. But they they are starting to play more guys. Um, I still think this is one of the deeper teams. Last year, I think Furman played more guys, and they got to a title game. I believe they're rotating, and this is kind of tough because really. It's a little false on the bench side because Garrett Heen only was on the bench for two two possessions. Mm-hmm. So if you throw him back in the starting lineup, he had 22 minutes of action. I mean, your bench minutes, you're looking at 19, 27, 43 minutes. So, you you know, you've got a, over a quarter, give or take, yeah. of bench minutes. So they're starting to – 
I think play more bench. And that was my big thing with Bob Ritchie and his squad because he would play five guys, six guys, didn't really trust seven and eight, and then it would just get tight and then he wouldn't have enough. Now I think he's starting to trust guys to spell. His play. And, and it was a couple times, you know, James Slauson plays as hard as anybody. You know, he tapped the head, you know, and coach would send him in there. And whenever Slauson seemed like he was ready to go, he just checked himself back in. And – We've seen that at, at other programs, and I've talked about that. If you've been a fan of this podcast for many years of of, of teams and, and coaches that would talk about that, I mean, that was a big thing with, you know, Coach K and Coach Smith at, at Duke and Carolina. They would say, mm-hmm. look, we want you to play as hard as you can. Let us know we need a breather. If you do that, then when you're ready to go, you can check back in. And so you can take ownership of that. If I have to continuously sub you out and tell you you need to rest because you're not giving enough effort – then you're going to sit there a lot longer. Mm. And the quicker those guys figured that out, you know, and, and you can even go, you know, because there was the Coach Smith back in the day, the blue team, white team or whatever, where he would sub five and five and had a true first, true second team. But as the game evolved, you know, that was sort of their theory. And if you watch, you know, some other higher level programs and coaches that have been around for a while, that's a lot of what they do. They're, they're, they're not watching minutes like kind of today's analytics guys are. You know, hey, this guy checked in here. Let me know when it's at this time, and I'll pull him out. You know, and this time, this time. I mean, there is a, a school of thought that I kind of liked watching yesterday for Furman, which was, you know, Slauson and Bothwell, go as hard as you can. You need a breather, tap your head, get you out. When you're ready, get up, check yourself in, get back out there. And that shows trust in your teammates, shows trust the staff, staff trusting players. I mean, I kind of liked watching that aspect of Furman. Now, that's about all I can say about Furman. It's good. The Furman Paladins. Because they're purple. You know I don't like purple. All right. Uh, so here's the scenario. Is Keith, you ready for this? I'll try to make this not as mind-numbing um, as it is because it is. It's mind-numbing. Okay. Let's go over scenario one. Would you uh, – scenario one is the uh, scenario I like the best, which is ETSU wins two games. That's they, a great scenario. I'm already on board. They beat the Citadel. They beat UNCG on Wednesday. Furman knocks off Mercer. UNCG knocks off Western. Wofford beats VMI. Sanford beats Chat. All would, I assume, if you believe in the wise guys, would be favored teams. So I'll try to go the simple route. Then Saturday, I assume Western would beat VMI. Let's say Chattanooga at home beats Wofford. That's maybe more of a toss-up. Sanford beats Furman. That's also a toss-up. If that all happened, Keith... ETSU would be the five seed because of the three-way tie with ETSU, Wofford, Chattanooga. I'll be in eight and ten. ETSU would be three and one uh, against Chattanooga and Wofford. Chat would be two and two. Wofford one and three. So that would be the best case scenario for ETSU. Okay. The lone six seed scenario for ETSU. ETSU would. This does not make sense to me when I do something. Just a second. This but, is a. This is an inversion of what Massey thinks will happen as well. By the way. ETSU would lose to the Citadel. And I then, hate it. Then they would beat UNCG. I hate it a little less. All four Wednesday games go chalk, as I said earlier. And then the only difference is Saturday, Wofford would beat Chat. That would put ETSU and Chattanooga both at 7-11. Yeah, seven wins, 11 losses. And ETSU would win the tiebreaker because of that win against UNCG would be a better win than Chattanooga's win against Western Carolina. Now... Probably what Massey thinks would happen is ETSU beats the Citadel and then loses at home to UNCG. That scenario is a bit tougher pill for ETSU to swallow because out of all the other tie-break scenarios, no matter what happens, 
it's almost guaranteed that ETSU would be the seven seed if that happens. There's like a 3% chance of like two upsets that would come into play that both would have to happen. You would need – like every result would have to go a particular way to get ETSU out of the seven seed. And it doesn't look like that – to me that after doing it, that seems a lot has to happen that would not happen, and so that would be the least likely. And let's see, did I get all of them in there? Uh, oh, no, I didn't. Uh, the nuclear, ETSU loses both games. And then you go chalk across the board. And then on Saturday, Mercer beats Citadel. If that happens, ETSU would be the ninth seed. They would be tied with the Citadel, but the uh, Citadel would hold a tiebreaker. And so Citadel would because be the Because the Citadel eight. beat Furman. Yes. And then if Citadel beats Mercer – ETSU is the eight and Mercer is the nine because they would have one more win. So it would be an eight nine game if they lose both. And depending on what happens, they would be. So again, they could be the five, the six, the seven, the eight, or the nine. And the crazy part is you could actually get a higher seed on the six if you lost to Citadel and beat UNCG, which does not – it sounds weird. And you would be more likely to be a seven seed if you beat the Citadel and lose to UNCG. So, again, there's a lot there. And there were more as we started to look at other teams. And finally, we just threw our hands up and said, we've been an hour and 15 minutes or so to get to this and do a bunch of results. And you've been results. sitting in the parking lot for 20 of it. And, Literally just sitting in the in the lot at Wharf Pickle for the, for the last, like, 20 minutes of debating that. You'd been back for over a quarter of an hour. Yeah, that's fair. So, it, and this morning we rechecked it. That was another thing we talked early this morning. Oh. About, hey, look at these numbers. What do you got again? Because again, we we like like we take pride in like, hey, th- these are scenarios that are, you know, we've we've looked at every angle, we've looked at every losses. It was a little easier. Uh, and again, if and let's throw this out there. I mean, there are we have another page we didn't break out that if Mercer was able to knock off Furman, Western knocks off UNCG. You know, chat beat Sanford. We did not do VMI beat anybody. So if VMI beat somebody, I, in all honesty, it changes some win totals. It doesn't really change what VMI does, but it would throw Wofford and um, I think Wofford and, Wofford and Western, Western Carolina. Right? The Western yeah. doesn't really matter. It was if VMI really beats Wofford to be the only thing that would uh, affect some seeding. But what does Massey have in that game? For which one? Uh, Wofford at VMI. Wofford at VMI. Uh, Wofford has a 66% chance to win, uh, and they are favored, according to Massey, by uh, four and a half points. All right, what about Samford and Chat? Samford and Chat is a 61% Chattanooga uh, projected final score of 77-73. All right, UNCG Western. UNCG and Western, not good for Western. 79% UNCG, uh, 74-65. Firm and Mercer, and and then we got it. And then Firm and Mercer is 80% Furple, uh, 77-67. Okay, so Wofford actually. So, chat the best odds, if you will, and then uh, VMI the second best odds. I did not see that coming uh, in uh, the Massey ratings. Uh, But that being said – chalk across the board that's why we kind of went with that as most of our baseline yep. scenarios and then we did a bunch of different saturday results because wofford chat 
what happens there matters. Um, Sanford Furman matters in the five seed three way tie scenario as well. Um, Western VMI would matter again. There's some Saturday things that come into play. Uh, if ETSU wins both, I mean, they've got a great shot to be a five or six seed. And, you know, if Wofford did lose, let me just throw it out there if Wofford did lose both games to VMI and then they lost to Chattanooga and Chattanooga did lose win, then Chattanooga ETSU would be tied for the fifth seed, and Chattanooga at that point would win the tiebreaker because they beat uh, whoever they beat up top. Anyways, uh, again, math, math, a lot of math. All yeah. right, you got any questions? I mean, I'm sure you got it all. Was that, was that as clear as mud? Um, I think it was more opaque than mud. Okay. It was. It's It's about as, as uh, malleable as concrete. It was about as it was it was as clear as asphalt, freshly paved asphalt, like the asphalt at Daytona. Ricky Stenhouse Jr. won the 500. Bit of an anticlimax with the caution like, at the how end. How many races in between wins? Like 200 or something? Uh, yeah, and the last one was at a super speedway. I think it was actually at Daytona. It was like five years ago, but it was at Daytona. Well, no Wednesday show because we're going to do Thursday and all the tiebreak scenarios for the men's side. And then we'll do Friday, all women's side tiebreakers. Yes. And if we have anything interesting in between there, we'll have it on the show as well. Yeah. I think we'll probably have some ETSU baseball as well. They all got off to a solid start, two out of three against Toledo, the Rockets, as we rock it out of here on the Jay and Keith Show on the Buccaneers Sports Network. Hey, we'll be back with you Wednesday. Oh, you got to be kidding me.